So sometimes when we read a gospel passage, it seems pretty straightforward and we can immediately understand what Jesus is trying to say. And sometimes when we hear the gospel passage, we might be like, what are you talking about? And for some people that might be the case with this gospel passage. What is Jesus talking about? I mean, we get little hints and clues, talks about a bridegroom, and it talks about a wedding feast. So, okay, this is something to do with a wedding, but this is very different than how we understand weddings today. 2,000 years ago, the ancient Jews, their their concept of marriage had a two-stage process. The first part was betrothal. So they would exchange their vows and they would officially be married, but then the wife would still live with her father, the husband would create a home, and a year later he would come to bring her to the new home. They're already married, but they're not coming together as husband and wife until the husband has prepared this new home for his bride. And then he would come and in uh, his majesty, he would come, all decorated for this huge feast that they're going to have. He would come to the father's house of the bride, and then he would bring her with her bridesmaids, or another name that they use in this gospel passage, virgins. He would bring them in procession, solemn procession, to the new home, where they would have a week-long celebration of this wedding, of this marriage. And so that's the context of what we're hearing in our gospel passage. So we might be wondering, well, like, well, why are they just sitting there? Why are they waiting? What's this about the bridegroom coming? Why is he so late? That's what this is all about. He's coming in splendor to take his bride to their new home. So, okay, that makes some sense. But what about the whole wise and foolish? I mean, if they're so wise, why aren't they being more kind and charitable to the foolish ones and sharing their oil? And what's this about oil and lamps anyway? Some of us may be familiar with oil lamps, some of us maybe not. But the way that they worked is there would be oil as fuel, and it would go up the wick to the flame where the fuel would be burned. Okay, so... Why are they having these oil lamps anyway? Well, because it's dark out. It's late at night. And if they're going to have this solemn procession from her father's house to the new home with her husband, they're going to need some sort of light in order to make their way in that procession. So, okay, why, though, couldn't they share? Didn't they pass kindergarten? Well, because they can't. If we understand the symbolism, then we understand why they can't share. The flame is the flame of faith, and the oil are the good works fueled by charity. So the good things that I do, I can tell you about them, but I can't give that to you. I can grow in virtue by the good works that I do. I can become more charitable. I can love God and others for the sake of God more by exercising charity, but I can't make it yours. I can't share it with you. I can't give it to you. But that charity is needed because it keeps the flame of faith alive. St. James, in his letter, says that faith without works is dead. We see that illustrated with these lamps. 
The flame of faith dies out without the oil of good works. The oil of good works that are possible because of that charity. And so they can't share it with the others. That's why they go tell them, you need to go get it for yourselves. They need to do their own charitable works. They need to grow in that virtue themselves. They need to do their own good things to keep their flame of faith alive. And should we run out of oil, should we run out of charity due to sin, we can have it refilled again by our Lord in the confessional. That flame of faith should die, it can be resurrected by the grace of our Lord. Okay, so they need that that flame of faith, they need those good works to keep it alive, they go in procession, but what is this all about? I mean... The ones who are foolish went and they got more oil and so they had the flame and they come and the door's already closed. What happened? We hear the Lord say, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Well, that's kind of a scary thought, right? Who is this Lord? Well, that would be Jesus Christ. What does he mean by I do not know you? If he's God, he knows everything, right? He means that there's no relationship there. I mean, we can know about someone by reading about them, but it's different to actually know them through our own experience, through our relationship, through talking to another person. I mean, we can read about George Washington, but it's kind of hard to have a relationship with him. But Jesus is raised from the dead, and we can still communicate with him. We can pray. We can interact with him. And that can allow us to have relationship a relationship so that he knows us from experience, he knows us from our conversations, he knows us from our prayer. And we can learn to listen because he wants to guide us to himself. But we need to keep that flame of faith alive by good works. So what are these good works that we need to do, this charity that we're exercising? Well, anything that we do out of love for God or love for neighbor would be these kinds of good works. So if we're cutting a neighbor's grass and we're not charging them, if we're raking their leaves, if someone calls us and asks for assistance, we can be loving God through our neighbor in those ways. We can also love God more directly by praying every day, spending time with him, or perhaps coming here on Tuesdays while we have adoration and looking upon our Lord who's truly present in the Eucharist, spending time with him and talking to him about what's going on in your life. Yes, he is God. Yes, he knows everything. But he's looking for relationship. He wants you to tell him about these things. One of the reasons why is when we talk to someone, we oftentimes also pause and allow them the opportunity to respond. And we want to grow in our ability to listen to God. Grow in our ability to be in a deeper relationship and not just have it something that's one-sided. And so in this gospel passage, our Lord is telling us to be prepared Be prepared for that moment when he comes. When he comes in glory at the end of time, which we don't know when that will be, but also we all don't know when each one of us is going to pass from this life. When we'll have our own personal procession towards heaven. When will that be? We don't know. So he tells us, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And he doesn't mean we're not allowed to fall asleep. He means we must stay in relationship with him. He means we must be ready for that moment when he comes for us. 
But even while we're still here on earth, the Lord comes to us. He comes to us in many ways. He wants to be with us. He gives us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. Heaven is being with him forever in this new home that he's prepared for us. But we get a glimpse of that, of the wedding feast here on earth as we celebrate the Mass. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we have this next moment of silence, let us consider the good works that we can do, the things that we can do to keep our flame of faith alive as we prepare to meet our Lord Jesus Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist.